In the previous podcast, we have seen God begin the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. God had promised Abraham that his seed would serve in a strange land and they would be delivered after 400 years. That's in Genesis chapter 15. God is beginning this deliverance by bringing Moses out of the wilderness to lead the children of Israel and to be a spokesman from God to Pharaoh. In the previous podcast, we saw God bring his plagues upon Egypt. Now we're going to see the actual deliverance take place. Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out altogether. In other words, he was going to want to get rid of the children of Israel, but by the time this tenth plague struck, Moses is now going to share with the children of Israel what to do. Exodus 11, verse 4, And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. 
ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side post and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Verse 11 And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Of course, we in the New Testament church today think of the blood of Jesus, for by his blood we are saved in this time of the New Testament church. For us, Jesus was a sacrifice a lamb without spot and blemish. So much of the Old Testament is symbolic of what was to come with the coming of Jesus. Exodus 12, verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. Verse 22. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. This was an important instruction because death was going to be sent to Egypt. And if they were out of their house, they could be killed. Verse 23, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. In the Old Testament, we have many examples of symbols and things that they could see with their natural eye. In the New Testament, it's very different. John chapter 4. Let's read that. Jesus and his disciples left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. 
Verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In neither place. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In the Old Testament, they worship by symbols that they could see with their natural eye. In the New Testament, we don't worship that way. We worship in spirit and in truth. 
We had a man in our church group many years ago who went to some kind of church service, and he came back, and he said, oh, it was so wonderful. Several times he mentioned how wonderful the church service was. And finally, I woke up and said, well, what, what was so wonderful about it? He said, oh, they had three big crosses covered with flowers. This man was worshiping in the flesh, not in spirit and in truth, as we must worship. He is no longer with our church group. He left us a long time ago. The Old Testament is a symbol, was a symbol for the people. But in the New Testament, all of the ones who really belong to God are born again and given the Spirit of God to lead them. In the Old Testament, only the prophets had the Spirit of God. At least that's my understanding. And they came to the prophet to see what to do. That is not the case today. Now, that doesn't mean prophets are eliminated from the church today because Jesus said in Ephesians 4, from heaven, he gave to the New Testament church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He didn't eliminate the prophets. It's just that today, everyone is given the Holy Spirit to lead them. So they don't have to go to a prophet anymore. Thank God that people don't have to go to a prophet to find out what to do because they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Also, we don't worship things that we can see with our natural eye. We don't worship those things. We worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 24, that we must worship God in spirit and in truth. So as we read the Old Testament, we're going to see many symbols of worshiping God. We don't have those today. We have the Holy Spirit in us today, which is a great gift. And the Holy Spirit teaches us all things, reminds us of everything Jesus has said, guides us into all truth, and shows us things to come. That is in John fourteen twenty six and John sixteen thirteen. Also, the Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us the will of God so we can go in the way of God. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So it's very different Old Testament to New Testament, but the Old Testament are symbols for us and examples for us showing what the people did so that we wouldn't make these same errors in our life. Exodus 12, start at verse 28. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Verse 29, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, rich and poor, all in the nation of Egypt, the firstborn child of each person was slain. 
and all the firstborn of the cattle was slain. Verse 30. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. At the end of this present world, we see from the Bible exactly what's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead, concerning them which are dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go before them which are dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. See, there will be people still living on the earth when Jesus returns. But the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain on the earth shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We shouldn't be mourning the way the people of the world mourn who have no hope. For we know that our relatives who are in Christ will be risen from the dead, as Jesus was risen from the dead, so will they rise from the dead when Jesus returns. They will rise from the dead first. Then those left on the earth will be gathered together by the angels of Jesus and be taken into the air to meet them in the air and be taken to the new Jerusalem, which is without unrighteousness. There will be no unrighteousness at all in the new heaven and the new earth. And that's where all who belong to God will be taken. One time God said to me, in the air. And I realized that was the scripture. And when I looked it up, it was in this passage of scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4. In the air is so important. Because there are some religions today who are teaching that Jesus will set up his kingdom on this present earth. That is not true. We will be taken to the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We will also be gathered into the air to meet Jesus and be taken there. Because this present earth will be destroyed 
by fire by God, and we'll be removed from this earth before God destroys this earth. Provision has been made for us. Second Peter chapter 3, start at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Everything we can see today with our natural eye will be destroyed by God at the end. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him, in peace. When Jesus returns, we want to be found by Jesus in peace without spot and blameless. Therefore, Peter is telling us to be diligent every day to be found in peace without spot and blameless because no one knows the exact hour or the day of the return of Jesus. So, our goal on this earth is to be in peace completely every day without spot and blameless. When problems arise, as they will, we remain in peace because at first we're disturbed by the problem, but we quickly turn to God for help. And God shows us what to do, comforts us, gives us a scripture, settles us, restores us to peace and joy. So by connecting with God in every problem of this life, by connecting with God instantly in prayer, as soon as we see the problem, we remain in peace. Those raised from the dead and those who are still living on the earth will be given new spiritual bodies and be taken into the sky in to meet Jesus in the clouds. And then we'll be taken to the new heaven and the new earth. First Corinthians 15, Paul describes the new spiritual body. Start at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We can't inherit the kingdom of God in this current flesh and blood body that we live in. We're going to be changed out of it into new spiritual bodies. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery, says Paul. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Some will be living on the earth at the time Jesus comes in the clouds. 
the dead in Christ will be raised first. We then who are living on the earth will be changed out of these fleshly bodies into the new spiritual body. Paul says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, blink, that is how fast it will happen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we who are living on the earth shall be changed. If you will blink your eyes, that'll show you how fast you will be changed into your new spiritual body at the return of Jesus. So blink your eyes. See, you're not going to tell anyone goodbye. That's how fast it will happen. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. These earthly bodies that we know today will not go with us into heaven. Here is a description of the new heaven and the new earth to which we will be taken. Revelation 21. The Apostle John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We won't have these bodies which cause the emotions, which cause the physical pain. We will no longer have these. We will have new spiritual bodies when we are taken into heaven. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.